Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Christian coach Deion Sanders pulls off a stunning upset and praises God for it. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us your thoughts. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me to get through the news of the cray here on this Tuesday after a holiday weekend is Billy Hallowell. Trey's off. He'll be back tomorrow. What's up, Billy? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> it's a good one, and I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend celebrating Labor Day. Family, friends, whatever else you end up doing. But uh, glad to have you back. Glad to be back. And we got a lot to cover on the podcast today. Billy, what do we have coming up on The Focus? Yeah, we're going to be talking about COVID and its impact on churches. I know a lot of us are tired of talking about COVID, yeah. but it is it is actually important to kind of look at where were churches before and where are they now. And well, so we'll be doing that. Yeah. Well, especially ahead of another, you know, people are getting COVID now. And so you're hearing rumblings of they're going to bring back mask mandates and stuff. And I know churches want to better handle it overall than the first time around. So all that, all that matters. We'll talk about it. Also on the main thing, religious liberty, is it in danger in the U.S.? We've seen a lot of stories. We've covered a lot of stories that would lead us to think so. And Billy talked to Jeremy Dice from First Liberty about that on the main thing. And so we'll get to all that on the podcast today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And new University of Colorado head coach, Hall of Famer, Deion Sanders. He's an outspoken Christian, obviously a fantastic NFL player back in his day. He's been a great coach as well, and he took over a University of Colorado team that was 1-11 the season before he issued a challenge to the players that were there, and most of them left. It's a almost a whole new roster, which is unheard of in college circles to be able to turn around a team like that with so many different players. Sanders was criticized for it as well by some. But he promised that he would have results, and so far, he delivered with the Buffaloes beating the number 17-ranked TCU Horned Frogs, 45-42. to TCU was in the national championship game last year. After the game, Sanders said, thank you, Jesus, I'm th so thankful right now. And his son, who is the quarterback, said, this is a blessing, everybody in Buff Nation who supported us and... Uh, I thank y'all. God is good, he said. And they talked a lot about the doubters and having faith. Sarah Young, the author of the best-selling devotional Jesus Calling, she passed away at the age of 77 over the weekend. And as football returned on Labor Day weekend, so did Coach Joe Kennedy. You can read CBN's David Brody's story on that. He was there for his return to the football field after uh, being removed for taking a knee and praying at midfield. Those are just some of today's top stories. You can check out more over at cbnnews.com. Billy, a lot going on there. Football obviously started over the weekend. Joe Kennedy was gone for some time over this praying on the field, and so it was great to see him back. Yeah, it was. You know, it's crazy that, and I've said this, I'm going to keep repeating myself, though, that in America – you know, in 2022, mm -hmm. which is when his case unfolded, that a football coach had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to secure the right to pray at the 50-yard line. Uh, but thankfully he did. 
and that case is behind us now, but it is it is pretty cool to see him back out there again doing what he loves to do. Yeah, absolutely, and CBN's David Brody was there, and we have the link to this story in the description of this podcast episode. I want to move over to the focus story now and new research detailing the impact of COVID-19 on churches is yielding a mixed bag of results. So what's the story here, Billy? Yeah, this is interesting because it's a series of studies and this is the fourth report. It's called Back to Normal, the Mixed Messages of Congregational Recovery Coming Out of the Pandemic. And I know a lot of us are, are tired of talking about the pandemic, but the impact on churches is something that really hasn't been fully assessed or looked at. And we probably haven't seen the full impact yet. Um, this particular report looks at both positives and negatives. One thing that is important to note, obviously, when it comes to churches and denominations, are people attending church? Are they still going? And so the numbers are below pre-pandemic levels. And just to give people an idea, before COVID-19, worship attendance had a median of 65 people. And a median means it's sort of the number in the middle. If you lined up all the church numbers, it would be the number in the middle. So 65 people. And that number is down to 60. But here's the positive of it. Um, depending on who you're talking to here, when you take into account people attending virtually, right? So if you take the virtual and the in-person mm. attendance, that median actually jumps to 75. So it's mm. actually above where it was. It was at 65 uh, before the pandemic. So that's interesting. So technically, total worship attendance is up when you when you fold in and we'll talk a little bit more about virtual after uh, but that's kind of interesting another positive finding uh, surrounds income and the money coming into churches this i found really interesting the average median income for a church in 2020 before the pandemic was 120,000 but that number has grown to 170,000 it was a 42% increase over the past three years. And there are people out there who will say, yeah, but what about inflation? Apparently it's still a 25% increase, even when you adjust for inflation. So there's more money in the budgets of these, of these churches, which again, really, really interesting. Uh, but, but this one, I think this is probably the biggest um, and most surprising positive element that we've seen uh, in churches, you know, tension and debate within churches. This is something that exists. Anybody who's been to a church knows mm -hmm. this because yeah. humans, humans are yep. part of a church. Um, you know, America is really sort of this powder keg of emotion right now uh, when you look at politics and culture, but churches are actually experiencing a decrease in serious conflict. And so they had these different categories of serious conflict and they all decreased between five and 25%, um, which I thought was really really interesting to see. And there were increases in people saying, hey, churches saying we've got no conflict or less serious conflict in our churches. Yeah, that's certainly interesting. And even though we might be tired about talking of about COVID and all the things that happened, I think like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast today, we, we've got to look at this stuff because we don't want to repeat what happened when the next big pandemic or the next big emergency that the government declares happens that we respond in the same way. So what are, what are some of the negative findings in this report? Yeah, you know, at the top, I mentioned that median number, you know, I said, yeah, well, when you add in virtual, the median number goes up, but but in person church attendance, you know, this is really a mixed bag. Um, 
you know, there were 4,809 churches that were represented in this study. So, and these are only Christian churches. So it was a pretty big report. Um, and, and one third of those churches said that they had grown in attendance since 2020, but over 50%, just over 50% reported a slight or severe decline than they were before the pandemic. So that over half of them are saying, look, we have declined in our membership. And that, that is a concern. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big concern. And outside of that, there's another issue of age. And this issue of age doesn't just affect the people attending a church. It also affects the pastors. And so to give you an example, in 2020, the average age of a senior church leader, so a senior pastor was 57 years old, that number is now 59 years old. So it's gone up one year every year um, during the pandemic. The other side of that is that church members over the age of 65 in 2020, they made up 33% of churches. They're now making up 36% of churches. And those don't seem like massive jumps, but when we talk about the concern over young people not coming into the church, young people leaving the church, these are notable statistics. Churches and pastors are aging. And so that's something that's raising some eyebrows, obviously, in light of the fact that at some point, if you don't have younger people coming in, your churches yeah. are going to dwindle even yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. So what what were uh, what was maybe the most surprising thing you found in this? Yeah. So, I mean, it's surprising in a lot of ways, although people will say, well, yeah, that makes sense when it comes to technology, right? When, when COVID happened and churches were shut down, most churches at least shut down for a little while, um, you had a dynamic where people couldn't attend anymore. There were only 20% of churches in 2019 saying that they offered a virtual option, 20%. Um, right now, that is at 73% of churches offering both online and in-person worship. So that is a massive, that's a massive jump. Churches are offering both. Obviously the preference is in person for a variety of reasons. It's another podcast where we could talk about yeah. that. Um, but, but that is a huge change technology. Um, even though the, the survey showed some resistance to continuing to sort of iterate, there's a giant jump in those um, offering church online. Yeah, it would be interesting to dive into, be able to dive into something like that, because when you think about the live stream, at least from my view, at least how I use it and the people I know who use it, because our church is the same way. We didn't really have it before the pandemic, after the pandemic, we do. And I use it mainly for if I'm sick or if I can't make it because we happen to be traveling on vacation that weekend or something and we want to, we're in the car driving and we want to catch up on church and we don't want to miss it. I've found that to be a blessing, but it would be interesting to know how many people are maybe using it as a crutch to not go in. So, yeah. um, but I don't know how your experience has been with that, Billy, but that's how, that's how at least we've been using the, the digital Same. aspect of church. So. Same if we if we're traveling or I just had COVID and so I had yeah. to I had to watch it from home. You know, I think I think that is that that is interesting. The other side of it, because I know we talk a lot of there's a lot of negative of online church only, right? There's not community, there's all those things. Yeah, you know, how many people are coming in as a result of it or finding a church on Facebook or that they maybe they wouldn't have if there wasn't an online? I'd love to see those results too. Like people saying, Hey, because we know like out in the Middle East and these other places where they don't have access online is where they often yeah. will discover these things. So I feel like that's a whole research study in itself. Yeah, honestly. absolutely. It's all very interesting. No doubt about it. And I appreciate you bringing this one to the podcast, Billy, today so we can break it down. 
All right, we are going to head over to the main thing now. And is religious liberty in danger in the U.S.? Jeremy Dice, senior counsel for First Liberty, offered a candid assessment when he talked to Billy. And that's today's main thing. Jeremy, thanks for joining me today. I want to dive into religious liberty, religious freedom. We are watching right now a number of countries around the world in the West that are dealing with this religious freedom issue. Um, in Finland, you have a member of parliament who is up on charges over sharing bi a Bible verse about homosexuality. You have um, a guy in Malta who is dealing with sharing his testimony on, on television. And as a result of that, um, he's been brought up on charges. The point is you have a number of people dealing with sharing basic Christian viewpoints and facing repercussions for that. You look at America and where we are right now here, what risk do we have in this country of seeing people end up in the same sorts of predicaments? Well, I, I really hope that that risk is low, but I can't say that it is zero uh, because there's always forces that want to restrict our religious liberty for reasons I don't quite understand. In fact, that's the very reason why the Founding Fathers put the First Amendment in place to begin with, because uh, they knew that if not individuals, then certainly governments throughout world history have been those that have acted to restrain a people's religious liberty, their right to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience, whether that's in a, a formal house of worship or within their own homes or within the organizations that they form or anywhere else in the public square for that matter. And so the Founding Fathers were very keen on making sure that the American experiment would be one that respected religious liberty and made it a very robust part of our national experience and our experiment in freedom. Uh, and so for the last 200 plus years, we've been living in a country that has uh, respected religious liberty. But I, I can't say that that risk is zero because of all the work that we do on a day in and day out basis. I mean, it's not too far away from what's uh, being talked about or what you talked about there in the run-in that we've had you know, pastors that hold bivocational jobs that were fired from their day job because of something they said on Sunday morning from the pulpit. We've had uh, employees who disagree with their woke corporation and find themselves excused from the company. Uh, well, I shouldn't, sorry, they were fired from their company for daring to hold a difference of opinion. Look, we just went to the Supreme Court on behalf of an employee who just simply wanted the ability to not work on Sundays to respect the Sabbath as he's compelled to do and was fired for his job there after going through eight different rounds of discipline. So, I mean, the, the reality is, is, is that uh, people of faith are facing a, a constant barrage of, of uh, religious attacks, uh, questions about their faith and whether they're welcomed in the workplace or the public square. And we didn't even begin to talk about Coach Joe Kennedy, who had to spend eight years fighting to get his job back for doing what? for taking a knee in silent prayer at a 50-yard line of a high school football field. I mean, if, if you can be fired over taking a knee for 15 to 30 seconds in silent prayer, uh, in the United States of America, can you really argue that there is no risk to, uh, to us going down the path that these other nations have experienced? I'm grateful that we have a First Amendment. We have got other laws in place that protect our religious freedom. But it falls to you and I to make sure we're maintaining our vigilance to preserve these freedoms going forward for our next generation. Yeah, I mean, one of the other issues that has really stuck out to me in light of the culture war that exists over a number of issues, right? You've got the LGBTQ issue. You have the abortion issue. There are a lot of big issues that people intensely are arguing over still. And you go to the UK and you look there and you have these buffer zones where for over 400 feet, 
around an abortion clinic, and it's only abortion clinics, these protections, as far as I know, don't exist for any other establishment, you cannot be protesting or present there in any sort of form of protest, including silent prayer um, in the UK. And they're rolling this out nationwide there. You've had at least two people now, at least two people who have been arrested or charged for their presence silently praying in front of those, you know, in those buffer zones. And that does make you wonder, we don't have that going on here. Um, but we have had a couple of strange cases. There was a case in Pennsylvania of a guy who was protesting at a pride event who was arrested. And afterward, the police said, you know, oh, you know, that we really shouldn't have done that. They backed off of it. The charges were dropped. There have been, there was at least one other arrest. So to your point, you know, right now we have the first amendment, we have those freedoms Yet you see, it doesn't take very much to go from where we are to, hey, we have buffer zones around these clinics and you're not welcome there. What does it take, because you're on the front lines doing this, to make sure that doesn't happen, that we don't make that jump? Well, it takes people like Coach Kennedy and others to say, no, I know what my freedoms are and I want to stand up for those very freedoms. And then the constant effort to push back against the ever encroaching tyranny around us to make sure that that does not move from inconvenience to tyranny. Look, let me give you a couple of good examples that I think illustrate the point. You know, up in uh, Massachusetts just last year, we had to send a letter back to then Attorney General Mara Healy. She's now the governor of Massachusetts, but then she was Attorney General. She was accusing these pregnancy care centers of engaging in, quote, deceptive trade practices for daring to talk to their clients about their options regarding life or abortion. Uh, and she was using the power of her office to, to prosecute these individuals or to threaten prosecution of these organizations for simply abiding by their religious convictions when it comes to, to life. Uh, there are ordinances and laws in this country right now that outside of some of these clinics, uh, there is sort of this shifting buffer zone uh, that, that surrounds an individual walking into an abortion clinic such that people of faith can't come within a certain amount of feet to talk. To, I mean, this is speech we're talking about, classically protected by the First Amendment. And so there are still a lot of uh, efforts to be done here to preserve the, the greater freedom of speech and the religious expressions that come with it around the, these uh, clinics around the country. We filed a lawsuit on offense this year to make sure that, uh, you know, when people of faith operate a pregnancy care center uh, and others disagree with them following the Dobbs decision, for instance, if they're going to pick up a brick or a can of spray paint to express their disagreement, we're going to go back on the offense and file a lawsuit against them for daring to come and intimidate these reproductive health facilities that operate in a pro-life perspective. And that's just in one area of, of our national experience. Look, uh, just last week, I went uh, and sent a letter to, or we went and sent a letter to a library in Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, of all places, where Kirk Cameron and his publisher, Brave Books, were going to be holding a See You at the Library event. They had been working with the organizers for months. And just days before the event was to be held, they changed the capacity numbers of the room that they were going to use. And then when they found out that Kirk was going to be there, they canceled the event entirely. We had to send a demand letter and threaten litigation saying, you can't do this kind of stuff to keep people of faith out. Oh, and by the way, they used to hold other uh, library events for a different perspective when it comes to what Kirk was talking about at that library. And all we're simply asking is for the right to be able to pre present a different a, a position, a different opinion, a different perspective on the issue. Uh, if they want to use the library for other things, that's perfectly fine. This is America. We should be welcoming all kinds of speech. But if we, we don't assert those rights that are due to us under the Constitution and the laws of the United States, we begin to lose them.
And so freedom dies not from a full frontal assault against our freedom, but from a thousand different cuts that, uh, of people saying, well, it's not that big a deal. I'll just walk away and do something else. No, that's how we lose our freedom in this country. And we're only one generation away from that being a totally different country than what you and I knew when we grew up. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. I mean, look, this is a topic we've been on and we're going to continue to watch. We've talked about all these cases that have been happening recently, not just in the UK, not just in Canada, but they're starting to pop up more here in America as well. And you can check out Billy's full interview with Jeremy Dice in the description of this podcast episode. All right, that's going to leave us with time for one last thing and wanted to take a look at Ephesians 4 today in this section of scriptures talking about unity in the body of Christ. And at verse 11, he talks about giving apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it ends in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Just a reminder, Billy, that um, we have the word. We have teachers that help shepherd us in this word to help keep us on track and not be swayed. And there are so many things that people are being swayed by. And you talk about even all of this occult and witchcraft and things like that, that we would think wouldn't people would never fall for. But they do, and we need to be ready to help others who might be getting tossed to and fro. Yeah, I mean, so much of the Bible, it's about being on guard, taking a stand, you know, like being firmly planted, paying attention. And, and this is one of my favorite. I, I actually think Ephesians might be my yeah. favorite book of the it's, Bible. It's because, fantastic, yes. Yeah, the imagery, right, of yep. the waves and all that. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. We are going to leave it there for today's podcast. As always, thanks so much for being here. And don't forget to go over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise on us. We shall return tomorrow with more. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.